Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. Welcome to the Clutter Fairy Weekly for March 16th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is our weekly webcast and podcast where we talk about all things organized and we use your, you, your topic suggestions to do it. So thank you so much that you go and make all those comments everywhere on our social media channels because we absolutely read them and we absolutely use them. Thank you. If you're joining us in the Zoom meeting for the first time, you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure that Gail gets them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature to let us know that you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. We're streaming live on Facebook, so we'll also you can also give us your comments and questions there, and I'll relay them to Gail. And during the live webcast every Tuesday, you can talk to us by phone by calling 669-900-6833. Use meeting ID 993-419-863 and password clutter to join the meeting. Our password is so obvious. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we're going to start by following up on last week's weekly tittle. The title of last week's tittle was Break Down a Barrier. We ask you to pick something you've been meaning or wanting to do, but never seem to be able to start and to identify your barrier to entry, the thing about the task or project that prevents you from, from getting started. We suggested spending a few minutes reflecting on the obstacles that stand in your way. Gail, how did you do on breaking down the barrier to patching your torn winter coat this week? So my coat is not patched. <laughs> it's slid, right? it slid down the priority list because of a deadline that I'm pushing. I'm participating in a call for entries to a bead museum and the deadline for mailing this entry in is tomorrow. And so all my free time this weekend and at night has been spent on working on this square. And so I'm going to show you the square. This is the square that I'm trying Gorgeous. to complete and I have this much to go. <laughs> this is what I have left to get done between now and tomorrow. So um, that's taking all of my free time, but the, um, the coat is still bothering me. And so uh, I've got it on my to-do list. And when the square is complete and mailed off, um, the coat goes back to the top of the list again. And how about you? Did you get your dad's grocery accounting done like you promised? Well, <laughs> well okay. this is where we have to say, do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> no, I, I have to confess that, that with all the activities of the last week, with the extra family in town for the funeral, and all the meal planning and cooking and related activities, I did not give the weekly tittle another thought until this morning. But in the spirit of making some kind of progress toward this stuck project, I did track down the last email I sent dad in December when I tallied his grocery orders. And I started, so I found my starting point in other words, and I set up a new Excel spreadsheet where I'll tally up the receipts. And I started reviewing grocery receipts for the last three months. So the project is begun which is better than where I was at this point last week. Yay. And my coat is still hanging in my kitchen. And these are the kinds of things that annoy me a lot. And so every time I walk by, I look at the coat and go, it's, it's definitely going to poke me until I get it done. So as soon as this square is complete, um, that is the next thing on the list. It, it's so frustrating when things that seem like they shouldn't be that much work keep getting pushed aside by something that has a more pressing urgency, something that has a louder voice, you know? Right, right, right. And I, I'll be interested to hear if other people struggled to make any headway or, or if we have some success stories. Um, I'll be watching the chat to see if anybody can report success. Yeah, you can tell, tell us how it went for you. Yeah. Since Ed and I um, um, were fails this set, week. <laughs> set terrible examples. <laughs> we're not, oh my gosh, my allergies are really bothering me, you guys. I'm so sorry. So it's making my eyes water. It's making my nose run. Forgive my constant Kleenex this week. Okay, let's get to our main our event. topic today. Viewer and frequent contributor Rowan suggested today's topic. Rowan observed that what she called unfortunate shopping is often the source of unfortunate stuff in our homes. She went on to say, for myself, I noticed that if I am rushing in my shopping, I will often make suboptimal purchases. But if I have time to shop slowly 
and take time after I put stuff in my cart to think about the items. When and how will I use them? Do I already have something that serves the same purpose? Is this really the best item for my need? Am I shopping out of emotion? Then I always put things back and end up with fewer purchases that I regret. Rowan also suggested we talk about the emotions associated with returning things that we've bought. And she asked us to explore why certain shopping behaviors become a problem. So our topic today is problem shopping. Thanks, Rowan, for suggesting a great topic. You've touched on several issues that trouble people with clutter problems. So we're going to take a deep dive into the shopping cart today. But first, we want to remind viewers and listeners that we are not mental health professionals. Not even a little. Not even a little bit. And we're not qualified to diagnose or offer advice about mental health disorders. If you or a loved one exhibit behaviors associated with shopping that result in intense emotional pain or serious financial trouble or relationship problems or the inability to manage other responsibilities in your life, we encourage you to seek help from an expert. Um, go see a counselor, a therapist, or a doctor. With that caveat, let's talk about shopping. Whether we like it or not, shopping is an unavoidable part of modern life. Unless you've managed to create a self-sufficient homestead, and that is so not my house, <laughs> there will be things that you want or need, and you're going to have to go shop for them. And many people find the act of shopping satisfying and fun or even therapeutic. And in the 80s, we were introduced to the term retail therapy, the notion that some people use shopping as a way to lift our mood or alleviate negative feelings. Ed did some great research about this, and a 2011 study of retail therapy published in the journal Psychology and Marketing, that's a scary magazine title, let me just say that, um, this psychology and marketing showed several interesting findings. One, unplanned shopping really can relieve a bad mood. For people who are trying to avoid impulse spending, res resisting the urge to buy produces a similar mood boost. So that's interesting. If you're trying to avoid impulse spending, resisting the urge boosts your mood just like the shopping boosts your mood. That's fascinating. For most people, retail therapy doesn't produce many negative effects. And for most people, retail therapy doesn't lead down a slippery slope to overspending. So a further study in 2013 found that retail therapy may relieve feelings of sadness, stress, or anxiety by offering shoppers a sense of control that counteracts feelings of powerlessness. Those results sound pretty good, right? If you can make yourself feel better by shopping without breaking your budget, shirking your other responsibilities, or letting your home get out of control, what's the harm? Well, this is where people who struggle with clutter might need to do some self-examination, just a little. We at the Clutter Fairy often say that stuff only becomes clutter when it interferes with other things that we wanna be or do or have in our lives. In a similar way, retail therapy becomes problem shopping when it encourages us to overcrowd our homes, overspend our budgets, neglect our goals and plans, avoid other responsibilities, or it prevents us from seeking help for long-term psychological issues. And I have to say that I have known lots of people in my life who um, spent money on retail therapy instead of seeking the therapy that they actually needed. And so uh, we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. Some researchers have suggested that retail therapy exists on a spectrum with a psychological order they call oneomania. <laughs> Did I say that right? Oneomania or compulsive shopping disorder, a kind of shopping addiction. When shopping behavior moves towards the addictive, the addictive end of the spectrum, you might see warning signs like buying things that you clearly don't need, feeling unable to control your shopping, uh, feeling anxious, ashamed, or irritated after shopping. That would be the not the effect you're going for. Uh, maxing out more than one credit card, feeling the need to hide the things you bought from the people who share your space. If you're sneaking things into the house or leaving things in the trunk until your spouse, your significant other, the, your kids that you live with are not present so you can slide it in without them seeing, there's one of the warning signs. Lying about the amount of money that you spent, mm, 
finding that your need to shop is increasing over time. These are all warning signs. If you find yourself doing these things or you observe a loved one in any of these behaviors, again, we encourage you to ask for professional help or counseling. But for many of us, retail therapy only becomes a problem and problem shopping when it contributes to the imbalance between what's coming in and what's going out of our spaces. In our busy, hectic lives, it can be a struggle to maintain that balance. If we find shopping fun, it's easy to give in to a few too many impulsive purchases or tempting sales or the fear of missing out on a bargain. So let's talk about a few strategies for keeping balance and perspective in your shopping habits. The first most obvious one is sticking to a shopping list. If you think of this as going on a scavenger hunt that is your shopping list, it inserts the idea of the game of finding the stuff on your list into your shopping and it helps you avoid too much extra unfocused wandering around. You may still grab extras on the way, but checking your list is still a focused exercise that will help you stay on target. If you imagine you're in the store with the list and you're going down the list and it's like, okay, I need this thing and that's in this aisle and you go to that aisle and then you go back to the list. I need this thing and that's in that aisle and you go, you're, you're really doing the scavenger hunt for your list. And so you're focused on execution of find this object, find that object. And I think it creates an amount of focus that helps you not sort of dazedly wandering around the store looking at things to grab. So shopping lists have been our tried and true time-honored way to control the amount of time you spend in a, in a store and control what you spend your money on. Speaking of money, another uh, trick is to stick to a budget or a spending plan. You can create a budget for each category of stuff for which you routinely shop and use a budget tracking app to categorize and track purchases to stay within the limits that you've set. You might also establish a budget specifically for the part of shopping that you consider retail therapy, those unplanned purchases of items that aren't on a list. Don't be intimidated by the idea of creating a budget or using an app or trying to track it all exactly. You can still, and at the very basic level, you can say, I'm going into this store and I'm not allowed to spend more than $100. Like I only have $100 for groceries this week or I only have $100 at Target. And you can look at those purchases and add them up in your head and find out how close you are to that target. And when you start getting to 100 or you start rolling over 100, then you can ask yourself, do I really need to go over my budget today? Is this really that important? Or can this spending wait until the next time and I'm on the next trip that I make to target? It's worth it just to have a target spending limit at the very minimum. And you can have a more detailed plan depending on how detail-oriented you are. Ed suggested an app because he's an app guy and he is a detailed data guy. And so um, if that's your drill, great. And if you find that intimidating, just aim for a target number that you're not allowed to go over and make that the game, not spending more than you're supposed to spend. Well, and the truth is I don't use an app to track spending I mean, I use applications to manage finances, Money, yeah, but yeah. not a not like a day to day on the phone thing to categorize. But since I'm having to manage the business expenses as well, I prefer to deal with all of that as a when I'm sitting down at the desk thing. Yeah, but they ha- there are a lot of apps that can make it easier to go do it sort of as you go on the mm-hmm. fly, mm-hmm. where you know, they prompt you at the moment of purchase or something like that. And you're also very good about, there's a limit over which you guys have to consult about whether you're spending the money on it or not. And you have some other budget constraints that help you control your spending, right? Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, you can focus your retail therapy on things that you need rather than things that you want. If you're using shopping as a way to lift your mood, Buying groceries or toiletries or cleaning supplies can still scratch that itch. Check out a new or unfamiliar store. Experiment with a different brand. The novelty novelty of the experience can produce the same psychological benefits without adding to your clutter or breaking your budget. You still don't want to overload yourself with a ton of backstock, uh, like months worth of toilet paper, but you can look to your repeated use items and replenish them as a reason to shop a bit as a mood uh, as a mood lifter 
You can also try window shopping as a way to get the shopping boost without the actual stuff coming home with you. You can walk around window shopping as a form of exercise too. So if you want to physically go walk <laughs> through a store, you like, you know, you can think of that as window shopping, going into a mall and walking up and down in, at the front of the stores without going in them. Or you can just flip catalogs or browse online at home without actually buying. Make it a conscious goal to look, but don't purchase and see if you can get the same improvement in mood. The research supports the idea that window shopping can create the same mood improvement. Think about all the bags that you come home with and get dumped in your closet floor or dumped in your pantry floor and they never get unpacked because the what you're really out there doing was lifting your mood and not you didn't actually need those things or want those things very much and so they come home and then they're immediately forgotten because it wasn't about the purchase it was about the act of being out there shopping trying to make you feel better and so as you're contemplating the idea of window shopping maybe you can say okay i'm going to go with the intent of experimenting and seeing does walking around and looking or does browsing online and putting things in a cart without actually buying it improve my mood as if i had shopped and if it does, then you won't come home with things you don't need and you won't have things dropped to the house that you have to deal with. And, you know, flipping through a catalog can just be the idea of, you know, looking over the eye candy, looking at the pictures and enjoying the pictures. And so um, give it a shot and see if window shopping will give you the same benefit. Another technique is to schedule a cooling off period before making a major purchase. Putting things in a shopping cart now but waiting to buy can take the pull of the advertising and the presentation out of it. Often when you get back to read about the item a second time, familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> so now the write-up isn't fresh and some of the emotional pull has faded. The same is true in a store. When the item isn't part of this big, beautiful display, but it's dumped in the bottom of your shopping cart, some of the allure is gone. Like Rowan suggested, pausing and reflecting again before you actually check out can help you focus more clearly on your purchases and think a bit harder about why you think you need something. It may just be that it was pretty in the moment and you went, oh, look pretty and grabbed it. But if you pause later and go, okay, I grabbed it and it was cute in the gorgeous display that they used to tempt me to buy and I bit, I, I took the bait, but now it's in my shopping cart and do I actually really need it? And if you can, she's suggesting if you give yourself that time and that that works as a strategy for her, that you pause and think about them a second time before you go through the checkout and you may end up taking some things back out of the cart. And I've always advocated the idea of if you think it's fun to shop, but you don't really need stuff, you can go in the Target and put things in the cart and roll around and then leave the cart somewhere and walk away. Um, you can have the fun of shopping without actually checking out. Don't put and ice cream in the cart though. Don't put ice cream in the cart, right? But you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a good way to have the experience. It's the in-store version of window shopping, right? That you can, or putting things in a cart online that you can go put them in the cart and drive them around. And then you, you've had the thrill of ownership for, you know, half an hour and then you can just walk away from it. And if somebody has to put the stuff back, you're helping keeping them employed. Right. So they're there to do that job. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a way to, even if they may be cursing your name while they're doing uh, it. Right. If yeah. they have to restock, but I think it is, it's in service to you that if you can, if you can walk away from a cart, and have the fun of, of looking and enjoying what looks pretty and finding things interesting and then going, okay, the fun was had, I've experienced the, uh, I've experienced the presentation and now I can walk away from this experience instead of these items and leave the things behind. That's a great idea. <clears throat> so um, you also have to avoid the places that tempt you into impulse spending. I am so bad about looking at beady things and buying more beads when I clearly have no need to add to my collection. My absolute solution is to not go there. I cannot covet what I don't see and it works really well. Every once in a while I go down the rabbit hole and I buy a few, few, thing, few things, but ignoring ads, avoiding bead selling sites and generally looking at bead items as eye candy only and not purchasable 
keeps me from overdoing it. Um, you see a lot, you know, I'm in all these B groups on Facebook and you see all kinds of stuff going by all the time. And so I just think of it as eye candy. It's my version of window shopping. When that stuff comes up, I look at it and go, isn't that so beautiful? That is super cool. Look, Penny, isn't that cool? And we both agree that it's fabulous. And then we move on and nobody has bought it. And so most of the time that works and I can keep my spending at a minimum, which is excellent because I clearly don't need any more. <laughs> all the things on my bead square were all things that I already had. I did not buy one thing for this bead square. I didn't need it. Another thing you can do is bring along a friend when you go shopping, but it has to be a friend who is enrolled in helping you not overspend. So the converse is don't bring your friend who encourages you to overspend. <laughs> Take that friend out to eat instead of shopping. So you have to evaluate your friends. And if you say, okay, I want you to come with me and help me not buy too much. I want you to give me the feedback and say, you don't really need that. Like you need that person that's going to coach you and remind you to stop and let it go. <laughs> no, you don't need that. No, that doesn't work. Um, let the bring the friend along that will help talk you out of it instead of the friend that will help talk you into it. And we all have those friends and all of my bead friends are those friends. <laughs> Anytime that I'm anywhere with any of them and we are looking at beads, they're like, oh, Gail, you need to get that. Or they will say, Gail, look, this is your color. Come over here and look at this. So can't go shopping with them if I want to control my spending. And you know your friends, <laughs> you know which ones encourage you and which ones don't. So Take along a friend, but let it be the person that will help you support your um, desire to not overspend or add to the clutter. And the last thing today is don't be afraid to return things. My little sister is a pro at this. I swear she returns something every day. Returning an item when we've changed our mind is a normal part of shopping. And most stores have reasonable return policies to deal with that situation. There's not any need to feel guilt or shame or embarrassment about making a return. And with a few exceptions, if the store staff ask you why you're returning the item, it's perfectly fine to say, I decided I don't need it. Going to the store to return keeps you in a return line and not shopping. And maybe by the time you're done returning, you're annoyed enough to just leave the store. So it is, it is a to-do item. It takes time. You have to stand in a line. You have to sit while they process. It's not a fast process. And so some people avoid it because it's not quick. But if you think of it as shopping for money, if you go into a return line and you come out with money back in your account, you've sort of shopped for money. So it's worth the effort to not ignore. And there's even some Amazon things and uh, you know online uh, shipping buying online processes that allow you to go and return things in the store instead of taking them back to the post office or whatever. And so anything that you can do to go turn that item into cash, it's the only situation where your item that you brought home to the house can be turned back into almost a hundred percent of what you paid for it. If you sell something at the garage sale, if you sell th something online, if you go through all the processes we've talked about, estate sale, blah, yada, yada, all of those are going to net you something that is less than what you paid for it. But if you take it back to the store, you're going to get 100% of it back. So that is the best scenario in terms of turning something into money. So I would, you know, take it back while it's fresh and they're willing to give you money back. You can't do this for something that you bought four years ago and expect to get money back. But if you stay on top of your returns right now, then you're going to get hundred percent of your money back. And that is the best trade. That's the best way to get your cash back out of it. So don't be embarrassed, go stand in the line. That's what they're there to do. And, make the effort to wait in the return line and get out with money instead of stuff. And what a great idea. <laughs> okay. So who has commentary? What do we have to ask me about, about shopping today? Well, we have all kinds of, all kinds of comments. Um, Chattering going on. Yeah. Lots of reports from people in the zoom about their, about what they, they did this week on the tittle. So I want to mm. get to get to some of those first. Okay. Um, Jane said, I realized that the barrier I most often face is not knowing where to have things go when they're ready to go. In follow-up to last week's call, I checked on a couple donation centers that have been closed. One is now open a few hours, two days a week. Yay, I have a box ready, getting ready to go there. Yay! 
Diane reported cleaning under the bathroom sink, which she's been wanting to do for a long time. Kara said, my barrier, I've never sold anything on Facebook Marketplace. I bought a new cello and I needed to sell my old one. Well, Ooh. I tried and guess what? I sold it to a lovely woman from Wisconsin. Yay, Kara, I'm so proud of you. Whoop, whoop, because that is not cheap, baby. That is serious money. Wow, yay, that is a big one, <laughs> baby. Good job. She's cheering in the in the Zoom right now. She's yay. waving her hands at excellent i'm so proud of you marcy reports that she was dealing with things coming in from her mother-in-law's house connie said i started again on my huge read later paper pile threw out a huge pile that's gotta feel good throwing out paper is the bomb right oh it's so such a relief april says she picked up trash that had drifted into the yard she counted over 80 pieces (gasps) oh my god why weather that's crazy windy weather maybe lovely right good job or you know proximity to a park lord (laughs) and you know when we lived across from the school we picked up a lot of trash yeah yeah yeah. that's probably true um good job everybody everybody's doing great and tammy said i missed last week but making progress on visual clutter actually three things in closet to prepare prepare for maintenance She's frustrated with herself and with the uh, uh, roach problem. She's mentioned that to us before. Yeah. Catherine said, I wrote up a list of what to tackle, how long each task would take, and put them on my calendar with a side time. Did I do them? Nope. <laughs> I'm in good company, it appears. But you made a list, and that yeah. is the first step, right? Now, now you have a target and a goal, and now you get to start, like, chicken things off so you can scratch things off your list, right? So... Step one, make the list. That's a good job. And you should give yourself credit for that because a lot of people don't get that far. So if you have a list to work from, now you can tackle one thing at a time on the list. You don't have to do all of them. You just want to make one of them happen at a time. And so make that your goal now to get one thing off. And when you've done that, then you it can be the same goal again. Okay, now I'm going to do another one. And then you can come back and tell us when the list is done. That'd be exciting. Um, Wolf, who's watching on facebook mentioned people should should be aware that connecting spending apps to your bank account can sometimes void the protections the bank give against theft from your account so Mm. be careful of that there are though some apps that have been pitched to me by my bank by the bank or through the banking you know through the bank clearing houses so okay watch for that read i would say read the terms and conditions more carefully than we normally do right you know well yeah to, it's about to make money, sure that right? you're that you're not putting yourself at any risk if you use a, an app to track spending yeah wolf also said shopping isn't actually therapy it's just one way of coping it makes you feel better in the moment but doesn't help long term you need therapy to address the root issues and of course we've used retail therapy in the sort of colloquial sense although it is interesting that we found that there, there are researchers looking at whether there are, you know, real psychological benefits, even if temporary. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they, it, the, the benefits that they describe are about mood boosting. Yeah. Improves your mood in the moment, but it doesn't change your yeah. underlying issue, right? Right, right. You still have something else to deal with, but um, it is a coping mechanism. It's a coping strategy to help manage your mood in the moment. And, you know, for some people, it's more fun than others. I don't particularly think shopping is so entertaining. So it's, it's not my best, it's not my best uh, strategy for uh, mood management, but a lot of people find it's, you know, it's very mindless and stress relieving. Um, I find that people that are crafty do a little bit less shopping for therapy and they do more crafting for therapy and so yeah you can if you need stress relief then uh, focusing on something that's creative is a great way to still your mind so that you're focusing on what you're creating instead of anything else that's going on in your life ellie suggested a more positive uh term might be conscious shopping Mm. or from problem shopping to efficient shopping and it occurs to me that we could also sort of talk about 
you know, what we're suggesting is sort of mindful shopping. Mm-hmm. It is very mindful shopping. And, and we go to the grocery store over and over and over again. And I'm sure that there's some amount of, it becomes an automatic thing. Like you've been in the store so many times and you buy the same kind of stuff over and over again, and you can kind of do it in your sleep. And so you don't think really hard about it when you do it. And it might be something that you want to put some effort into being more present for it instead of being on automatic pilot while you're doing it. It's, you know, shopping is not rocket science, right? So (laughs) trying to stop and think about it and be more conscious about what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you're shopping for and why you're shopping for it and, and and being a little bit more present for yourself can help, can only help, right? It can only make it a, a better experience for you. I've also mentioned, as they say, shopping for craft supplies and using craft supplies are two different hobbies. Yes, yes, it's true, right? And like, I, that's why I said I'm working on the square and it's, a, I did not shop for the square. I just went to my own stash and started working. So yeah, um, shopping is the, shopping for craft supplies is a whole different, it's just another version of retail therapy, right? It's just shopping in a focused way in a focused manner just like people that buy shoes or buy clothes for fun crafty people buy their craft supplies so it isn't that we don't want you to go craft shopping we want you to go craft making that's that's the goal here use what you have and do something fun jane commented maybe oddly i hate in-store shopping Online shopping has made me more of a shopper, unfortunately. I'm very, Mm. but I'm very list oriented and that helps with less impulse purchases. I also hate in-store shopping unless I'm in the grocery store or a bookstore. And and Connie said, I have to resist going into bookstores. Mm -hmm. I cannot come out without a book. And I have so many books I want to read already. I think working on a, a the Nook, you know, doing an e-reader, and then you're shopping online, and those those e-readers, the shopping isn't very fast. It's hard to get down and scroll through books and find them, and so it slows me way down. and And I've gotten to where I, you know, I read the book that I'm reading, and when I'm finished, then I go buy one more, and it takes me a half an hour to find a book or some amount of time. And then I go and start reading that book and I immediately stop shopping. And so from, for some reason, it's easier for me to wander through a bookstore and find a book that I want than it is for me to wander online for books and, and find a book. And so that really slows me down a lot. I should probably not turn you on to any of the newsletters I receive. No, (laughs) I don't want any help shopping. No, (laughs) thank you. And that is the, you know, the curse of Amazon and online shopping is that they, they consciously program it to make it super easy so that you can click, click, click and buy things with hardly thinking for 10 seconds. The, if you've set up for Prime and you've got everything saved so you can just click go and you're done in a nanosecond, like you can spend hundreds of dollars you had no intention of spending in the blink of an eye and they do that on purpose. You know, they do that on purpose. And so you have to stop and tell yourself, I'm just making Jeff Bezos richer. I need to think hard (laughs) what I'm buying because I don't need that man to make more money. He has enough billions already. Surely he doesn't need more of my money. Jane says, I often sleep on online possible purchases. If I don't feel strongly about an, an item in the next day or week, they don't get purchased. And that's the benefit of putting them in the shopping cart and walking away. Because if you can avoid the final click and it just sits in the shopping cart and goes stale for a little while, you're going to not take all of it. You're going to look back and go, yeah, yeah, that was just me having a moment or being enticed by the advertising or, you know, it was the first time I saw it and I don't want to miss out and oh my God. And then you let it go. And the, the advertising that's designed to create an emotional response has faded when you come back and look at it the next time and you're not as susceptible to it. And so when you go pull up the things in the shopping cart and go, what is this? And why did I buy it? It, The advertising isn't fresh and new and it doesn't grab you in the same way. And so it's easier to, I think, evaluate it more consciously and with less emotional response that way. 
Yeah. Give yourself that pause in between is a great, great idea because it'll keep you from buying all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> Connie made a comment, which is a nice counterpoint to you don't need to make Jeff Bezos richer. <laughs> as she said, going into charity shops is also a danger as I feel I should buy something to help their cause. And that's a nice, that's a nice thought, but their cause should not guilt you into taking home something you don't need. Right. You can also think of it as uh, the people that are, have donated to the charity shops are receiving other people's clutter who are trying to send their clutter on and make money and trying to send their clutter on to you. So you and can refuse the clutter. And if you feel guilty, you can leave behind a $5 donation. I was going to say they will, the take, cost, they will right? take your cash. Right. <laughs> if you go in and you get, you get retail therapy from shopping through the, uh, you know, the secondhand shop that is supporting some kind of cause and you don't want to go home with clutter you can energy, you can enjoy your walking around looking at the eye candy, and then you can leave them a five dollar donation and and walk out of the store, and that would be fine, and it won't break the bank, and you go home empty handed, and you've made a charitable donation, and you've entertained yourself shopping. Like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing at all. And Lise commented, "I felt the same way at a family owned toy store. They still went out of business." Right. And that's that's an unfortunate. That's unfortunate that I have a client who, who loves books and she has shopped at an independent bookstore that is run by a woman who has a bunch of money and the bookstore is her entertainment. It's her running the bookstore is her fun. She doesn't really need to make money on it or whatever. And my client goes in and buys all these really expensive you know, hardback coffee table style art books and uh, all kinds of really fancy, expensive books. And her theory is this is my friend who's running the store and I'm helping her business. And it's like, but you, but now we have all these books everywhere in your house that we have to deal with. And you're not looking at them. You're just buying them as a, as a charitable thing to a woman who has plenty of money and is, and is running the store for her own entertainment. So yeah, we've been having lots of conversations about that. And lots of those books are being, uh, basically she is, you know, taking these specific art and craft project books that are uh, really fancy and, and we're going to end up resending them as donations to places that would use those particular books or put them in other libraries. So we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time and she's going to spend a lot of money using me to rehome the books to logical places where they should go it's like okay that's you know that's what she wants to do with them and it gets them out of the house and that's a lot of effort and money to spend so that her friend still can play in the store so you know I, there's there's some point where it's like you're it's not your burden to keep someone keep someone's business alive and you can still shop there and not come home with a massive amount of stuff right yeah maybe keep them in mind when you're gift shopping when you're doing yeah. picking up your birthday or holiday gifts yeah support, stuff that is not going to stay with you right, right. Stuff support that you're going those to give businesses away. that way yeah, yeah that you're going to give away ideally to people who for whom it will not represent clutter yes exactly exactly there you Karen, go Karen said, sales used to be difficult for me to resist, but I've been resisting and it feels good. I'm asking myself, do I really need this now or do I have enough right now? That way I keep things fresh and realize there's always the next sale. There is always the next sale. That and is a great way to think about it. On a related note, Wolf pointed out that if you put something in an online shopping cart and then abandon the item there sometimes they will send you a coupon or a discount to try and get you to make that purchase so that's sort of a little enticement to have that cooling off period to abandon it and see if they send you well, a just coupon. not even not even necessarily abandon it but require of yourself 24 hours or 48 hours or something or a week yeah because when they then when they regard it as abandoned they may give you some incentive to 
email you a coupon. Yeah. That's clever. Okay. I mean, that's, and that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a bargain hunting game, right? Can you get a discount for something by leaving it and not buying it right away? Yeah. That works. Kara says, uh, budget app, Y-N-A-B, you need a budget. I've never been able to stick with a budget and have been frustrated with the fact, but started Y-N-A-B in January and I'm so happy with it. That's not one I'd heard of. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. So I'm glad it's working for you. That's awesome. So it must be a, an approach that is a little different than the other apps. Could you come on and tell us a little bit about how it's different, why it works better for you? We'll see if Here she comes. I'm unmuted, I think. Excellent. Yes. yes. Hey, yeah, it is a zero um, base budgets. It's almost like an envelope system, except it's all electronic. And so you uh, dedicate whatever money you have in the bank you dedicate those dollars to have jobs. And I've already been able to get a month ahead in setting aside money for bills. And now I can have, um, I'm confident in when I'm spending fun money because I have that money set aside. You, you know so you have I it allocated. Categories. Um, and and a, a beautiful thing is, is those once a year Car insurance or twice a year, I put those in and it figures out how much money I need to put aside every month to have that money available. That's awesome. It's really fun. That's great. So that, is, yeah, I mean, and that sounds like um, David, the financial Dave peace Ramsey. guy. Yeah, it sounds like David Ramsey's envelope yeah, process it's called, yeah, it's made into fun. an app. And they have a huge support system out there that you can get help in lots of YouTubes. Yay. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's really great. Kathleen said, I need to, to get back to using a shopping list. It's bad when I shop and still don't have things I need. Right. <laughs> How many times have you walk, you gotten home and as you walk in the door, you go, darn it, I forgot the butter. You know, it's like the thing that you went to the store to begin with doesn't come home with you because you started buying all the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think a shopping lists do a whole lot of things to help you. And it, it's kind of an irritation to, to make the list, but making the list and then looking at it while you're shopping has a huge impact on how you get out of the store, how fast you get out of the store, how well you get out of the store, how much money you don't spend. And so, and you know, the older you get, the less likely you are to remember all the pieces, right? Exactly. Our brains are designed, they recognize the barriers and what you're thinking about. And you cross the, the door frame into the next room and your brain like dumps the cash and starts the new cash to go as you roll forward. It's not, it's uh, not designed to help you maintain that data and keep it in, in fresh in mind, your list. So uh, get it out of your head, get it on a list. There's a million reasons why that's helpful. And if you can do it while you're shopping at the grocery store, you'll be super happy. On a related note, Catherine said, years ago, I would write down each purchase on my purse calendar. I started spending less because I detested having to write down all my purchases. <laughs> but that is, I mean, that is a, that is a sort of mindfulness exercise. Mm -hmm. It's paying, it's paying attention. That little act, that little constructive habit of requiring that you write it down will make you think about it make might make you make some different choices it is definitely a way to make shopping mindful right because you are not blanking it out or forgetting about it the minute you get home and that's really what happens when i find those shopping bags in the bottom of the closet that still have the receipt and the object and it's still packed up and it's in the back of the closet somewhere um it has just become, they've just become blank to it. It's they've just, as soon as they walk in the, they drop the bag and they've completely forgotten about it. And the idea of writing down what you bought today means you have to go back and find that bag and look at the, look at it and write it down. And it definitely makes you much more mindful of what you're doing. And that's a great idea. And Pat suggests um, if you're window shopping without a specific purchase in mind, don't take any form of payment with you. Oh, there you go. You know, don't carry your wallet. You can't right. buy what you don't have money for. Right. <laughs> That's a very good point. If you're just going to go window shopping as exercise and walk around the mall and get your exercise to get your steps in or whatever, 
or you're going to wander up and down um, a storefront strip mall. I mean, a st- uh, sidewalk outside. Don't take any money with you. So you can't buy and you'll, you'll tell yourself, Oh, I'm going to come back and get that. And then you go away and it'll go out of your head. You'll forget about it. Like at one, it, one it's once in a blue moon you'll actually make the trip back to buy something but most of the time you'll go oh i'm gonna get that and then you'll go home and you go what was i gonna get i don't remember why that was cool why i thought i needed to have that it'll fade now a couple of people have have piped in to scold you for the idea of filling your shopping cart and leaving it behind (laughs) um and so they're scolding me a little bit okay jane said i had a flashback to my college days working retail i think the person who fills the cart should reshop all the aisles and put everything back oh yeah and that's i mean that's there might be some value in that exercise as well you know having to put it all back having to put it all back Mm -hmm. yeah and you know i'm i'm trying to interrupt your focus on get like yeah. I'm trying to get you mindful about what's in the cart or recognizing that what you're putting in the cart is, is a, is a mindless activity that you're not really focusing hard on and that you can walk away and not keep the stuff or you can wander around and put things back and either way it works, keeps you in the store. And if you fill the cart and then have to walk away to not do it, to not buy it, then I give you permission to do that. <laughs> and if you can manage to turn around and walk yourself back around the store and put things away before you go, great. But even better. Even better. Yeah. But the point here is to interrupt your mindless shopping and to get you focused on what you've got. And if the best you can do is to lift your hands off the cart and walk away as step one, then maybe the next time you can wander around and fill the basket and then go back and put things up. And sorry to the people that are in the store. <laughs> you guys are my primary focus at the moment and we want to help you control taking that stuff home with you okay we are fast running out of time okay okay i'm going to come back to you for a final thought and for a homework assignment but a couple of quick announcements i want to remind our viewers and listeners who are with us live that our youtube channel has more than 150 videos on a wide variety of organizing topics go to cfhou.com slash youtube while you're there subscribe to our channel and click the bell icon next to the subscribe button if you'd like to get notifications when we post new content also i could not remember uh where we were with patreon thank yous so i looked it up and realized that since the last time we acknowledged anyone we need to say a special thank you to amber gale and reba for becoming our newest patreon supporters Thank you. Thank you so much. If you would like to help support our efforts with a recurring monthly donation, please visit cfhou.com slash Patreon. One of these days, I'm going to make you a sign, I promise. (laughs) Your contributions help us offset the cost of producing the weekly webcast and will also help us fund new projects that we have in the works. Thank you for your generosity, Reba, Ambergale, and all of our patrons. We appreciate you. Okay, let me have, oh, let's, yeah, let me have your final thought okay. on problem shopping. All right. So as a final thought, I'd like to reflect on how you feel. I'd like you to reflect on how you feel when you shop. By taking time to understand the feelings you're using the retail therapy to treat, you might find other coping mechanisms that work even better than shopping. I think we can shift into retail shopping without too much thought as a coping strategy Recognizing that you're avoiding a feeling and trying to figure out that feeling can interrupt the shopping. Then you can look for more supportive ways to address your feelings than adding to your clutter with shopping. If it will help, you can keep a log of what you buy along with the feelings you associate with those purchases. It could be some valuable self-awareness about what is troubling you and what needs attention. Excellent, thank you. Okay, what's our weekly tittle? So we came up with a few things um, related to shopping. So if you have a return waiting, make it your mission to get that done this week. That's an easy one, right? You just got to get it in the car and go to the store. And now you can wear your mask and go in the store and it'll be okay. 
If you have a shopping bag that hasn't been unpacked in your pantry or your closet, take care of that this week, pull it out and look at it. And you want to notice, how do you feel when you unpack it? Do you say, oh, I forgot that I bought that or, oh, why did I bring that home? You can notice how your mindless shopping is getting things into the house that you really are glad that you got or you're really sorry that you brought home. If you're planning a retail therapy outing, take a few minutes and make that list that we talked about and set a spending limit before you go. How much will this retail therapy cost you? You might find that the $150 you spent is better spent on an actual therapist than on a retail therapy outing. If none of these apply to you, then you can look around your house for a purchase that you regret and recycle, donate, or give it away. And hopefully that is bringing some mindfulness back to you as well. Go searching for those things that you're like, why did I bring this home? And um, make a point of getting them out of the house and getting them someone else. Get it gone. Get it gone. Exactly. Okay. I want to remind everybody that we'll be back for our next live webcast on Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021 at noon U.S. Central Time, live in Zoom and streaming on Facebook. <laughs> And apologies to our UK and EU <laughs> viewers and Zoom <laughs> participants that I goofed last week and told you the wrong information. Since the United States shifted to daylight saving time this past Sunday for today, obviously, and next week, our live webcast is one hour earlier than its normal time. But we'll be back in sync and broadcasting at the usual time on March 30th after the time changes for the rest of the world. After everybody else gets with us, right? That's right. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com Facebook. Or subscribe to our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. We love to hear from our viewers and listeners. So please send us your questions, comments, and topic suggestions in the YouTube comments on Facebook or anywhere else that you find us. And you can always reach us through our website at clutterfairyhouston.com. We are so glad that you joined us today. We hope that uh, talking about shopping wasn't too triggering for anybody. We are, our goal is to help you reduce the inflow of clutter to your house and dealing with why shopping adds to your burden. And so hopefully you got some good suggestions out of this and we will be back next week to talk about a new topic. See you then. Bye-bye.